Hello and welcome to the Women in Consulting podcast. I'm Janet Whitelaw-Jones, co-founder of the Women's Consulting Workshop. Together with Helen Moratti, we support women working in consulting in the international development and social impact space. In this podcast, we speak with women all over the world. We listen, we learn, we support, and we all get better at what we do. Today, I am speaking with Maritz Pallet becker Maritz is a mentor and money mindset coach at Women Ask For More. And in this conversation, we discuss all things negotiation and money. Maritz helps us understand what we need to consider when we negotiate as consultants. We talk about money mindset, the fear of rejection, and cultural differences around negotiations. Often as consultants, we are so focused on our technical work that we find the subject of fee rates uncomfortable and frankly, we'd rather someone else dealt with it. But if you run your own firm, this is something that you have to become used to and even learn to have a little fun with. So Marit, uh, welcome to the Women in Consulting podcast. It's uh, a real pleasure to be able to speak with you today. Um, and maybe just to get us started, you could tell us, first of all, where, where in the world you're sitting. Hi, Janet. Thank you very much for having me. This is a real pleasure. I've been looking forward to doing this podcast, actually, so I'm super excited that we're finally doing this. Uh, so I am right now in Paris, France, where I've lived for the last 10 years, I think, um, with my French husband and my two half French children who speak much better French than I do <laughs> Lovely. already. I know, constantly correcting me at five and seven. Handy, handy. Um, yeah. And, um, and then before that, I lived in New York um, and I went to grad school in New York and I worked there as an intern with the UN and then in strategy consulting. And then I continued, um, you know, I remember we were talking about this. I went to the grad school that I went to in New York is Columbia University. So I went to the International Affairs School on them in the university and the International Affairs School is just really full of everyone working on in international affairs as diplomats or as consultants um, in different capacities. And that was kind of what I thought I wanted to do, which is when I did my internship at the UN. But a lot of my friends have gone on to do that. So I'm quite familiar with um, with that world, just mm. kind of by proxy. Oh, great. So you're familiar actually with what a lot of our audience actually work work in and around, which is really helpful. Um, and what what is it that you do now? What's your key focus? Um, so my key focus has evolved over the last couple of years. Um, I've moved out of doing sales and business development and negotiation for um, companies and have taken on a role on my own, um, helping people to negotiate. So I started with helping firms in France to negotiate with Americans because it's a very different style of negotiating um, and they're not really used to doing it. <clears throat> but then I realized that my key, like my passion really was working with women mm. um, in business or women consulting to help them to negotiate better because um, women generally you know, don't study this in school. They're not raised to learn to negotiate or ask for more. So that's become something that I'm very passionate about and what I help to do. And I um, also work with small businesses that are 
have been in business about like a year or something and I help them to grow rapidly. So that's, I do a rapid profit Hmm. growth with these businesses and we turn things over to make them, to help them to scale and to be bigger than when they entered. Excellent. Gosh, that sounds so interesting. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of places we could go today. Um, And I guess the one, my first question is, uh, is around negotiation itself and why, I feel like as women, we're just not very good at it. What's your sense or what's your theory on that? Um, You know, that's interesting. And obviously, like, I don't want to generalize Mm -hmm. and say that as women, like, we're not good with negotiating because sometimes that has something to do with money. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. I know. And I'm realizing as I'm saying that, that sounds so general. So can I take it back and say, why am I not very good at this? (laughs) Um, I mean, you wouldn't be the only one, right? Like, I mean, it's all of us because, and I think, you know, the way that the, I mean, what I see is that negotiating is very, very closely linked with um, what we see as our relationship with money. Um, That's part of like my training and Mm. part of what I do is helping women to realize where they stand vis-a-vis their money mindsets and how they're how much money they want in their lives and then using negotiation strategy to be able to ask for that. Uh-huh, okay. And if you think of all of these things, you know, I, I have this this anecdote that if you baked a thousand cookies for a bake sale, people would congratulate you and say, Oh my God, Janet, amazing. But if you turn around and said, oh, hey, I negotiated for like 10,000 more, they would probably just look at you and be like, Ugh, yeah, well, you know, women were never, never raised to think that negotiating better for themselves is a good thing. If they managed to, to do better for their families or negotiate for a better position for their kids or whatever, that's that's seen as good. But for mm. themselves, it was never expected, never rewarded. Oh, and we kind of go in the direction of things that we were rewarded to do, right? Huh. Interesting. So it's actually, which is really fascinating when I think of then, um, that actually most of the women who would be listening are either already working as independent consultants or thinking of going into that role. And therefore, you're by very nature, you're you have to negotiate for yourself because you're uh, you have to negotiate for your own your own fee rate, your own fee rate, which is maybe where it feels trickier somehow because you're 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 putting the questions out there. I guess you're trying to you're trying to create a, a stage for your own negotiation rather than negotiating on behalf of someone else. Exactly. And that's very hard to do because, I mean, it's hard for women to speak up for themselves, essentially. Long story short. Long story short. But, yeah. you know, that's not, I mean, it's hard, mm-hmm. but like everything's hard and everything's easy. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, I mean, you're a triathlete. Yeah. <laughs> everything's hard. Everything's easy. Everything is hard and everything is easy. I really like that. You're totally right. So the headline then is really, or the first step actually is it's, it's, we look at money mindset first and then, and then we, we take that knowledge and, and, and use that within our negotiation. Cause I think for, for the women that will be listening, um, the way our consulting world works is often around, uh, often, and something that we discuss a lot in the women's consulting workshop is around fee rates. And we're often working around right. daily fee rates. And so I wonder if, um, uh, I mean, so I, I know that I'm very clear about the fact that it is actually all a negotiation. 
Um, but I'm also aware that often we take the first fee rate that is offered and then we don't treat it like a negotiation um, and maybe we shy away from it. Um, and 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 I know there's there's lots of different fee rates and experiences within the group. So I wonder if you could just help us, I guess, run through um, some key things that we need to think about when we are negotiating or when we are starting out on that negotiation journey. Um, sure. So like we were saying, the first thing that you would go over is like really ensuring, you know, I'm just going to use you as an analogy. Absolutely great. So if you're going <laughs> to, so if you're going to decide to do a triathlon, right? Like you're not going to go into it with like injuries in your foot or maybe just, you know, you're not going to go into it hungry without kind of thinking through your nutrition in much the same way. Um, I call it your money hygiene. So really just being aware of your own personal money story and your money blocks and the reason why you might feel powerless if you ask for more money or if you go into a negotiation negotiation to negotiate better for yourself so once you're able to understand like what is going on and neutralize that and, I, and it's not easy and I teach this as part of a course and it takes a lot of time because those stories have been with us for years but it helps you to move to the next step and the next step is really understanding that, like you were saying, everything is a negotiation. So even the fact that there was a, a fee rate put down on paper, that probably, if you go into the person who put that down, that's been put down as an industry average, mm. but that doesn't mean that it's the average that applies to you, mm-hmm. right? So you probably have, you're not exactly the description that's on paper, And you shouldn't actually even be applying for a job if you're exactly the description. You should apply for it if you meet like, I think, 20 or 30% of it or maybe 60% of it, to be honest. Oh, really? And you feel like you can go through the rest. Yeah, because I mean, that's like the dream position. And they've shown that women won't apply for jobs until they're 100% fit, whereas men will apply for it if they're 60, 80% fit. Sorry, I should have said you're 20% not fit, but like 80% fit. And you can grow through the rest of the 20% because you bring other skills onto the table. And that's part of the negotiation too, is growing the size of the pie. So when you bring the negotiation down to just money and you're like, I'm negotiating for like $5 and the other person's negotiating for $5, that can become a sort of gridlock, which is Mm. what you want to avoid. Mm. You want to create a win-win situation where you want the person, you know, imagine this, relationship for the long run and you want to understand well what is it that the the person across from me wants in this negotiation they want someone who's going to be great at doing this task or this job or this role um but they also want someone who's totally autonomous who can deliver this who has this background experience and i have this other background experience that's not reflected in the job right now but i think i could translate those skills into explaining why I would be able to do this job better than anyone else and hence why I would like a better pay rate. Mm-hmm. So it's actually about more than the money. It's definitely about more than the money, right? It's mm. about understanding that a negotiation is increasing. I, I say this always, it's increasing the size of the pie. So people are often negotiating. They think they're negotiating for just the money, but if you really think about it, they're often negotiating for maybe just like having a slightly more stress-free experience, maybe having like a better employee, maybe having someone who's super autonomous. Maybe they just want someone who's going to make them look good as a boss by doing an amazing job with their reports. 
it's up to you, the person going into the negotiation, to understand what the other person is actually looking for. So the biggest mistake people think mm -hmm. is they think that what you put down on paper is exactly what you as the person, the individual want. Whereas we're complex individuals and we're a sum of different needs. So when you do your background research and you try and understand the background of the organization, the background of the company, the background of the individual, what is it that they personally want? And when you go into that negotiation, you bring all of those skills to the table too, mm. right? So when you yeah. deliver more, then you're in a better position. Hmm. That's so helpful. It's such a great way to look at it, actually, that you're increasing the size of the pie rather than just... Because I think so often whenever you, it can really feel like you're you're getting into just a conversation about, you know, $20 less or $30 more or you know, and it can feel very sort of perfunctory and a bit, whereas actually if we often, I think the way that Helen and I would approach, would approach it is more, I guess what you've said, like the, you increase the value and um, it's about the value that you bring. Yeah. Is that right? And yeah. that's really like, you know, when you negotiate for value, it's very different from negotiating for like 0 0.1, 0 0.2, 0 0.3, 0 0.4. Yeah. Because your value as an individual and in everything you do is going to be totally different from the next person. And it's really up to us when we're negotiating for a role or when you're negotiating for <clears throat> a better um a better fee rate on a certain contract it's up to us to explain our value and it's up to us to ensure that the other person buys into that value right so it's understanding that the other person's background where they've come from and this this is like this importance in doing homework or understanding you know asking the question that's beyond the question is really important because you understand where, what the other person wants and you deliver that and think about it. Like when someone's delivering something of great value to you, you are so happy to be able to, you know, um, pay them what they, what they want. I mean, within reason, right? Yeah. 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 But they're solving a problem for you. Like often exactly. that's, I mean, that's the way we approach, right? As consultants, we are often brought in to solve a problem. And I mean, and I think about, I mean, people that I bring into my life, even just like in my home, you know, in home, my home life who are solving a problem for me, because I simply like, okay, here's a really daft example. We have chickens, they keep escaping. I don't know how to DIY, Kenny, my husband and I, we rubbish at it, always historically been rubbish. I don't have the skills. I am more than happy to pay a guy to come and just sort that problem out. Exactly. And stop the, stock the chickens escaping and and stop them dying by fox. So actually, it's a really, I mean, I know it's a really simple example, but it's a really... But it's something that I'm really happy to pay somebody well to do because I want the fence to stay up. I want it to be well, you know, I want them to be well protected. I don't want it to look ugly. I want him to finish the job. It's, it's yeah, so it's really... But also, uh, yeah. I mean, think about the chicken analogy. Like, if you mm. went to if you went to the chicken person or the chicken fence person or whatever they're called, <laughs> but if you went to them and he yeah. or she just stood there and said, yeah, I can build a fence, and, you know, it was left up to you to imagine how well they could build a fence, how much this would solve your problem, and, like, is this fence actually worth doing or should I go back and DIY it? What is if the person is said to you, like, no worries, I know exactly what your problem is, I've done this before, these are the reasons why my fence would be really great for you mm. and this is what I would help you you're not an expert in fences so if they showcase their expertise you're willing to say well I was thinking of paying him a hundred bucks but now that he's explained why this fence is like you know 
box proof and the chickens won't run away, I'm happy hmm. to make it 250 because he's just yeah. going to show up, do his thing and leave and I will be problem free. Yeah, exactly. My problem will be solved. I love that. Yeah. What a great analogy. Um, that was brilliant. And so um, where did we get to on our steps? So we got, to, were we at number three? Well, so we did, the first one we did was the money mindset. The second one we did um, a creating a strategy around like, it's more of a sales strategy, to be honest, but I don't say sales because it makes people all awkward, but it's really just a strategy of understanding the customer. That's the person in front of you who wants you to work for them, understanding their mindset and then providing, you know, meeting their pain point. Very often we think that if we just show up with our service, that's great. But the point is the other person has a pain point and it's on us to address that pain point and to contribute value to show them what value we're bringing in. So we need to do that homework. And then once you've done that homework, you know, is making yourself aware of like, what are the bandwidths in the industry that you can work around? And mm -hmm. what would be okay for you to suggest? Um, so for example, let, let's say that somebody, the, the fee rate on a contract is, I don't know, let's say 400 euros a day. I have no idea if mm -hmm. that's a lot or not. Or... A, it's fairly, it's average if you're a fairly junior consultant, I think. Okay. Mm. So let's say that it's like, um, I don't know, 700 a, a day. Yeah, we can and, go with, yeah, that's fine. And you realize like you might have a bunch of deductibles. You're going to have, you know, a lot of things that haven't been taken into account when they put this 700 down. Now it's up to you to come back to the table with a new figure and to think about what that new figure is and to be okay with that new figure. And that's quite hard to do because like if what's on paper is 700 and you're really excited to have this job and then mm. you, but you know that you should be asking for 850, you need to understand that you're okay with asking for 850. So especially in, you know, the, the non-governmental consulting NGO world, people go into this world with a different perspective from people who go straight into, let's say, working on a fintech startup. Right. So yep. the idea is mm -hmm. that they're helping out, um, they're doing, they're using their skills for good. And it's a really clear assumption in most cases. So the mindset behind there is, you know, they're often thinking, you know, this is not, I can't actually go in here and charge because that would not be ethical. Hmm. You know, this yeah. wouldn't be ethical for me to go in and ask that. But the truth is the organization in most cases will have the resources to be able to mm -hmm. pay you. And by paying you, they're guaranteeing that they have someone of value and quality do the work for mm -hmm. them. And you're ensuring that you're giving your best instead of getting totally tired, overworking a contract, and at the end of the day, feeling resentful that you feel like you should have asked for more, but you didn't. Yeah. Yeah. That jump actually from seeing the figure on the page that's there um, so we go, you know, the 700 is there, but actually once you've added everything up and you know that your skills are worth or what the value that you bring to the table is 850, what has to happen in that jump between how do you get yourself comfortable with that? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, so like I said, you know, go back to the triangle that we were talking about where you have like your money mindset on one end. And in this mm -hmm. stage, you'll be asking yourself, you know, um, if you're really honest, like you come up with, do I deserve this? Am I greedy? If I like, you know, you deserve it because you've been qualified, but do I deserve to ask for more money? 
um, am I greedy? Like, are they going to look at me like I'm greedy because like this is a decent mm-hmm. rate, but I'm going to go back in there and ask for more. Are they going to, you know, be mm-hmm. embarrassed? Are they going to judge? Are they going to judge me? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and you'll have your internal conflicts around, you know, money essentially and my, about negotiating. Also remember that, mm. you know, because women have not negotiated, you don't really have role models to look at where you're like, oh yeah, I saw my mom go in and negotiate for a high salary. You may or may not. I mean, it's great for you if you have, but if you haven't, you're, you don't know how to do that. Yeah. So you don't know how to do it. And so you're the first one really going into like the wild west to go in there and ask for this and you need to be okay with it and you need to be okay with the value that you're providing But more than anything else, I think you need to realize that people want to give you that money because you have that expertise. And once you're able to talk about that expertise, they're able to pay you. And when they pay you, you can use those funds to do a million other things. You can invest in uh, women-owned businesses. You can Mm. do a bunch of other things Mm -hmm. that you hadn't thought of before and that you weren't able to do before. Mm. I love I love the the idea. I mean, it's really interesting. This is like a therapy session, where it's um, the, the, the the bit about I'll send you not, my tissues. No, thank you, thank you. About not having um, role models is really interesting. Actually, not having role models in this area at all, um, which which means that then we don't we're not we're just not used to seeing that. Well, I'm sorry, I'm speaking for me. Um, and I, but I can imagine that there are other women listening who have the same, you know, that we are not used to seeing this, you know, how to negotiate. So we haven't been shown how to negotiate at all, actually. Um, and actually, and I'm wondering, is that something, do you think that, that, that men see more of, or do, why do we not see it? Is there any, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's kind of, it's interesting. And I, you know, again, I don't want to generalize, but there's data essentially no, I know. That, that shows <laughs> yeah. that, um, where like those are not skills that women were valued for, right? So we were never rewarded for doing those things. We there's been a lot of change in recent years about how when a woman speaks up, she's not being bossy, she's being a leader. And we tend it's the language that you know we use for to for little girls too and little boys, you know, and how we say no, go back out on the field and like fight for yourself. And if it's a little girl, we're often like, and she pushes for herself for a better position. You know, the the general idea is that she's like being too bossy and too pushy, whereas she's just asking for what she deserves. So I think it all comes from there. Um, and remember mm. that like not too long ago in many countries, women did not own their own money. They weren't in charge of their own money. Money has been like this whole thing that's been clouded in so much secrecy, which has generally kept our wages and our earnings on the dollar lower, right? Because if you start off, I mean, it's purely mathematical. If you start off on a salary or a contract or whatever of like 800 and you get a raise of 10%, well, that's that's a 10% raise on 800. Whereas if you start yeah. off on a salary of a thousand and then you get a raise of ten percent, that's a ten ten percent on a thousand, right? And because like women go in and accept the first thing that someone gives them, well, through your lifetime you will always be behind. That's what I think we don't realize is it's not you're not negotiating for this job. Like this job is a stepping stone to your next one. The rates that you're accepting mm-hmm. now are kind of going to determine the industry standard for what you're going to accept in the future. 
it's very hard to negotiate. And I don't know, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I know in, you know, um, with salaries with companies, it's very hard when you've accepted a certain salary and if you want to switch jobs to go back mm-hmm. in and then ask for a lot more, they're going to benchmark you and give you yep. a bracket slightly higher. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I think you're because you're in the strongest position, aren't you, before you sign the contract? And I guess that's, yeah. <clears throat> you know, when when if we go back to our seven hundred dollars, you know, and your your example, and you're kind of going back in saying actually eight fifty, like you're at your you're at your strongest then because you haven't signed anything yet, and still, and there there is it is a bit of a game and a bit of a dance, you know. So they might come back and say actually we can't do it 50 but we could do 800 does that yeah happen? and that's entirely up to you to say well 800 is fine but i would like this yeah you know okay. so when you've increased the size of the pie you've looked at like well okay 800 is fine but maybe i can have a longer deadline so then i could maybe take on another project in between or 800 is fine but then you know they kind of agree to recommend me to other consulting firms but at a mm-hmm. different like at a higher rate okay so right you know, so it's you've increasing got, yeah. constantly increasing the size of the pie you're not just negotiating for money you're negotiating to improve what i call your wealth in the long run and that's something that i think women need to start thinking about is like how to build wealth and building wealth is not going to happen by nickel and diming yourself at this stage you know like so if, if you shortchange yourself now you're not actually growing wealth in the long run no no it's a really good point actually that it's just i think if there's anything you know that people take away it's this that this this concept of increasing the pie is really increasing the size of the pie is really is really a, a, a really helpful actually um and sorry can i add one no no thing go now? yeah yeah please go um, it's also the fear, you know, like I think the idea of kind of negotiating is terrifying to people, right? Because you you don't, you're really good at your job and you're really good at what you do. So why on earth do you have to do something like negotiate over money? But I think when you, real, when you step back and you look at that and you realize that, well, actually it is really a game and it is really just, you are in so much power right? It's not the company or the organization versus you, but it's really, this is a moment for you to really showcase your skills and to step up and to present the best thing that you like. And what's the worst that can happen? They'll maybe bring you down a tiny bit or, Mm. okay, that's fine. You can counter offer, right? But it's not, it's not something that's a do or die situation. You haven't lost anything by negotiating. In fact, you've actually shown that you understand your value and that you're going to stand up for your value. Because if you're not going to stand up for your value and communicate that value in terms of dollars or pounds or euros, who else is going to do it? Yeah, that's a really important point. I can just hear, I can hear women in the group saying, but what happened? Because their biggest fear, and I think our biggest fear is that if we, if we negotiate or try and negotiate a higher rate and speak up for ourselves that somehow we won't the worst case scenario is that we won't get the contract that we won't get the job um and i think that's that is a fear for people but actually in reality what i think when you get to that stage what happens more is you they come back to you with a lower rate it's rare yeah. that if you're in that conversation if you've got to that stage they want you because they understand your value um and actually it's rare that you would lose at that stage on price uh you would you may lose earlier in the process 
potentially on price but then that's a different conversation because that's not about negotiation um but yeah i think that's that's probably and it's also communication yeah right like tell me about that communicate yeah so if you communicate and say like i'm just going to take 850 don't call me otherwise bye (laughs) yeah exactly don't talk to me about this money thing (laughs) but if you say something like look i mean my rates are actually higher um and i I feel really uncomfortable being able to, you know, doing this for lower. I, I'm in the 850 and above bracket. And I'd really like to understand, you know, what is your ballpark figure for this? Like, is there flexibility mm. to improve this rate? Because it's really, I mean, help them to understand it's really uncomfortable for you to take a lower rate. And that's not something that's going to work. And in many cases, you know, they'll realize that they offered you a rate that's not suitable and they'll go back and they'll come back and say, well, we looked and you know what, actually, you're right. And we could offer, maybe they won't meet you at 850. They'll come down slightly lower. um, And then you can throw in something else that you think you'd like. That's like a non-monetary benefit that would work for you in terms of scheduling or location or whatever. Um, And that actually would work. But remembering it's a relationship, like they're, you know, money shouldn't make it ugly. Money is like part of the game and it's part of just establishing your value and done nicely. It's a win-win situation. We're always going to go for the win-win situation. There's no losers and winners in this situation. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really like that. Um, It's really, it's really helpful. And I like the, the idea around communication um, and that there is actually, I think, I think that's one of the things that, that, that we maybe feel uncomfortable about that we just don't have the language actually to have those conversations because many women who've been working in larger organizations um or and smaller organizations i mean are not often they're in technical roles you know so they focus on a very technical um piece of uh gender legislation or they're focusing on human rights or something like that and all of a sudden if they if they're they're thrown into this world of independent consulting and they have to have conversations about about money and and using language that they are it's just it does it feels uncomfortable um and actually maybe half of it is maybe just being clear around the language that you can you can use which will take some work right because you'll have to you you probably have to deal with lots of money mindset stuff maybe first but just having that I mean you used the word it's it, it's it's uncomfortable for me to work at that you know, at that rate, I, I it, it would be better to work at this rate. And that is an interesting way to put it. Um, I wonder if you have, do you have any other like good sort of language advice about what we can say? Because um, also not apologizing for our rate, that is also would be on the tip of my tongue and on the tip of many people's tongues, um, you know, to almost apologize. It sounds like you're apologizing for your rate, but actually you need to really claim it. Yeah. I like that. I think that that's exactly it. It's like not apologizing for it and realizing that, you know, you've done the homework and communicating the values. So like if you like when I'm coaching people, we often do a lot of role play scenarios where I'll ask them to keep raising their rates and and tell me what their new rates are until they're comfortable doing it. And a lot of times people feel like, no, I have to earn this rate, but you Mm. are earning the rate. You know, we have this thing of like, no, I have to work very hard to earn this rate but you are working hard. Like they're not paying you for today. They're paying paying you for like the 10 or the 20 years of expertise you've had before today. Exactly. Where you did work really hard, right? But they don't know that whole story. It's up to you to present that. And it's up to you to say, well, my rates comparable to the industry and compared to like what I've been doing are this, 
um, I'd be happy to see where we could, you know, I'm flexible and I'm happy to Mm -hmm. see where we could find some arrangement, but this is really my starting rate. Um, and I'm open to see what you come back with. Hmm. That's really Give them some homework to do and, you know, let them know, let them know that you're open, but let them know that that's kind of the rate that you're working at now. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. It's really helpful. And you know what, Janet, like Mm. you've seen, like either there'll be people who will like bargain hunt, right? Like, so they'll just want everything at like, and this is, doesn't matter whether they've had, they have a lot of money, they have a huge budget or not. They're still just going to go for like, you know, the cheapest deal. And that really is not really the kind of company you want to work for anyway, mm. because they don't really value you. And the people who do value you will find a way to pay for your services. Yeah, that's really but true. Like I said, actually. you know, don't don't be hard and fast about, no, I only want this amount of money and that's it. Mm. But communicate to them that you're bringing so much value to the table and you're totally flexible in adding mm. additional things that don't actually cost you that much time and energy, but you're happy mm. to offer it to them because maybe it's an additional value for them. Um, but you would definitely like to stick to the higher rate. Hmm. I love that. That's really great. And and so what what would you say to someone who is really nervous, I guess, about this negotiation process? Um, what's what what for them would be would be the key thing to remind themselves of? Um I think well, I think it's important to notice that everyone is nervous in negotiating. Mm. Everyone is the fear of rejection for women is very high, right? So one of the reasons that we don't ask for more is because, and the data proves this, is that women tend to take rejection far more personally than men. So like when a woman negotiates for um, or asks for more for, I don't know, her like asks for better recognition for the role that she's done or a promotion or a raise and she doesn't get it she thinks and I can identify with this is that oh I did something wrong like I should have done you know I didn't do this well enough or I didn't do this right and they showed that a man who is in the exact same position and the exact same boss says no to him he turns around and says my boss is an ass (laughs) (laughs) yeah so interesting huh so we kind of you know we we weigh this we attach so much to someone else's approval of us and we think that when they don't approve of what we put forward um that's a that's a reflection on us and the truth is it's just a reflection on that specific number but Mm -hmm. if you've communicated this right they know it's open and you know it's a dance and it'll come back around and you'll be able to put the value of what you want down. So there's in the Harvard negotiations project that I teach, there's several types of negotiation. There's the hard negotiation, which is like the hard, you know, the hard bargainer kind of thing. And that's the kind of person that you would imagine caricaturally, like someone who's in a market in Marrakesh, you know, the one who's like, no, but I'll pay like, I can pay you Mm -hmm. five bucks less for this. Like I refuse to pay full price for this. Um, and that's sort of like an accepted scenario, but what that leads to is like person A inflates their price because they know person B is going to, you know, try and bring them down and it can create a gridlock because if A and B don't want to work together, it's a, it's a positional bargain. So A and B take a position. I'm the buyer for the seller. I will say this much. You'll say this much. And it's a positional negotiation. 
positional negotiations often fail because people assume the positions that they go into. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's not actually, there's very little understanding of the other person's uh, drivers or why, you know, there's no curiosity about why um, they're or how they've got to that price in the first place. Exactly. And so the one thing you want to avoid is, is arguing in a positional negotiation and moving it around to an, a relationship-based negotiation. Is recognizing that the other person has needs and wants, and even if they're in a high-stress high, high stress position and they desperately need whatever you have, that pressure is coming from somewhere for them to meet certain goals and deadlines. And if you can understand what it is they need from you to meet those, and you can offer more in somewhere but stick to your price, they'll be happy to pay for it. So that's a very different game from positional. Yeah, very different. Yeah, that's really... And I'm wondering, actually, in our in our context, it's probably a bit of both because often um, you will have, you know... And, and there's a... I mean, because a lot of times it's public money, so there'll be a lot of rules around bidding and, and what that, you know, what that kind of looks like. But often... Um, there and there are definitely areas where there are banded rates which we've talked about already where there seems to be a ceiling you know a sort of a, a band you know here's your, your rate has to be between 450 and 600 um a day and actually and th- that is true to some extent but again if you have the value piece you know if you look at it often that top rate is not is not fixed sometimes it is and I know there will be people going, but it's absolutely fixed. Actually, it's not absolutely fixed. Sometimes there is definite wiggle room. Um, there is definitely. If, yeah, there is. And I, and, and, and I think that that's, it's always worth a question, always. Hmm. That's really fascinating. Thank you. And you won't know, right, until you ask. And the other person won't know to offer until you ask. So I think communicating that an offer isn't really suitable for you and you would definitely be interested in asking if there's more um, for you or what's the, is there flexibility? Because this is not really what I was thinking of and, you know, usually charge a lot more for this contract. So I'd really be interested in understanding more. Puts the onus on the other person to go back and justify the number they put on the paper and to find Mm. you a better offer. Mm -hmm. That's really helpful. And where did we get to on our, on our kind of, we were at number, we were at number three. Have we, have we whizzed past number four and five? Well, I think, I mean, I don't know if we have like a real four and five, but I think that we did the mindset, the strategy, creating a win-win solution, um, stepping away from a positional bargain um, to focus on the relationship. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. That's so helpful. Um, And and what what do you think is the most, I mean, we've maybe covered this already and I'm kind of going to guess what you might say is what was the most important skill for us uh, when we're when we're negotiating? What do you think that, what, what would that be? Um, I, I don't think you're going to guess this. <laughs> <laughs> I go for it. <laughs> I would say it's the, the most interesting skill and, and what I've seen the best and the most skilled negotiators do is be intuitive. I did not think that. You're right. I knew it. Because, I mean, the skills on paper you can learn. But this is where women are very good negotiators um, is because we intuitively can understand if you're listening and you're paying attention to the clues the other person's giving you and what they're saying. You can understand what's important to them, right? In a way that someone else who's not clued in and not actually observing and watching for the clues and reading for the signs is going to miss. 
Mm-hmm. And that's where your negotiation really wins is you will be able to learn to speak their language and communicate your values in a way that they understand. You know, there's, there's, I mean, it's great to communicate your values, but if you're communicating, let's just go into the example of like luxury, for example. So let's say that like person A is the kind of person who values like luxury handbags and person B for the same amount of money would rather buy a very like an inexpensive handbag but spend that money on travel right so if the salesperson is communicating or the person like trying to get you to to part with that money is trying to sell travel to the you know to the luxury person luxury handbag person they're thinking i'm gonna have to give up my handbag to go on this do this travel stuff i'm not gonna do it Mm. and if they're trying to sell handbags to the travel person the travel person's gonna think i don't really care like no one i know travels with something like that so it's really understanding who you're speaking to and what are their drivers and watching to see what are the big clues doing your homework to understand what's their position in the organization what are the external factors do they have a deadline is there a budget what have they previously signed what kind of agreements they usually put out you know all of that homework is on you to do which is really easy Mm. in some ways Mm. because it's a, a bunch of phone calls and some search on google to understand you know, where this company is going or where this consulting um, arrangement is going. And in some cases, if they guarantee you um, several agreements that or several contracts in an area that you think are eventually, you can parlay that into growing your expertise. So maybe you want a dream project and you're going to have to take two of these consultancies to get that dream project. And they've kind of guaranteed that to you. Then that in the larger scheme of things is still a good negotiation, right? Because you're not just negotiating for the cash on this one thing, but you're negotiating for an end outcome. Yeah, I really like that. So it's being strategic in understanding Mm. why you're negotiating and what you're negotiating for. Yeah, that's really helpful. Um, I think we have learned a lot, Maritz. Thank you so much. Um, it's really, it's been a real pleasure actually to 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 learn from you, and actually because you're in in some ways you you're outside our world but also you understand this the, the consulting world that we work in um it's really helpful to get those uh your take on on negotiation it's been it's been brilliant um and where could people go to find out more about you um so i have a facebook group which is called women in women ask for more and women in business ask for more um and mm-hmm. i can send you links to that group and yeah we can put in the show notes Mm yep i'll give i'll send that to you for your show notes um and then i also have a downloadable resources which are really easy kind of cheat sheets and workbooks to understand your money mindset um fabulous and yeah to help you to the three i would say the three big salient points in um learning to negotiate better for yourself so i can send those to you and then i'm on linkedin and I have a podcast, which doesn't have anything to do with money. It's more for fun, turning 40 <laughs> podcast. Nice. Everyone needs nice. a break. Everyone needs <laughs> Everyone does need a break. Exactly. Sometimes you just need to do something else. Sometimes you just need to do I know. That's brilliant, right? We should put all of that in the show notes. Um, thank yeah, you sure. so that much. Be, no, you're totally welcome. And I wanted to yeah. add that I'm going to be starting um, a short 
like a not a long course but kind of mm-hmm. like a short course around pricing negotiating um setting your rates and money mindset so if you have people who want to sign up for that course i'd be happy if yeah. they send me a message i guess on facebook or try and join the facebook group or um yeah any any of the ways that they want to reach out to me and let me know but that Brilliant. would be great Oh, that's really great. Thank you so much um, for your time today. Really, it's been it's been uh, it's been both therapy and learning. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Marvellous. Thanks for joining me. I'll be back next time with another amazing woman who is carving out her very own path on this consulting journey.